With your host, Ohio State basketball beat writer Adam Jardy. Ready for Jesus, give me the rock. Here it goes. Up, up, and away. Slap, jam, bam. And now he does a little dance. Now, now, the Buckeye Extra Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. And it's my official duty to welcome you into episode 272 of the Buckeye Extra Men's Basketball Podcast. Welcome to Jubilation City. Welcome back to downtown Columbus. I'm sitting here in the Dispatch podcast studio with our man, Patrick Flaherty, the podfather, here helping produce the show. Um, got a couple of things to talk about here. It's been uh, about a week since I last recorded a podcast and uh, we have some recruiting news to get into or at least some recruiting updates to get into. I'm not sure I would qualify any of it as news just yet, but I don't think we're far off from recruiting news. I think they call that a teaser in the biz. Uh, So we'll get into some of that here uh, in a couple of minutes. Uh, A couple of things that I've learned from going to the last two Kingdom Summer League uh, Sundays and some impressions on a couple of guys and some things that some players have been telling me about this Ohio State team and how things are starting to shape up. Uh, we've got some unfortunate unfortunate injury news regarding former Ohio State player in the NBA Summer League and a couple other just random little news and notes things here as we truck along slowly, or maybe not that slowly. We're already basically halfway through July. And as I look at the calendar here, I was just mentioning to Patrick before we started recording, uh, it's unlikely there will be a podcast next week unless something... Uh, unless something forces that to happen, because I'm planning on taking a week of vacation next week. So uh, don't be surprised if nothing refreshes on your feed for like another 10, 12 days or so. But having said that, we're two and a half weeks, actually, well, I guess we're about three weeks, three weeks from tomorrow, Ohio State will be in the Bahamas for its foreign exhibition trip. And I will be in the Bahamas for Ohio State's foreign exhibition trip. And I'm still mapping out what the coverage is going to look like and how that's going to work. But you will have um, a very detailed look at what this Ohio State team looks like right now, what what those experiences are going to look like. The Buckeyes will play two games there at the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas. They'll practice. They'll have meetings. They'll do kind of all those things because when you do these summer foreign exhibition trips, you get 10 extra practice days. So there will be things that will come out of that uh, out of that trip, obviously, there'll be of all kinds of coverage coming to you from the Bahamas, but there'll be stuff leading into it as well because they'll start practicing before that. I've heard we might get to watch some practice. Um, there might be some more interviews as we get closer to the end of the month. So there might not be anything next week, but then there's going to be a lot of stuff basically from that point on because it's going to be full on get ready to go to the Bahamas. I still got to figure out how I'm getting from the airport to Atlantis. I've never been to the Bahamas. This is all very new territory for me. So um, we'll figure it all out and you're going to really enjoy the coverage I'll be able to be bringing you from from Atlantis. So look forward to all that. That's all coming up here very shortly. Before we get to that point, I want to remind you, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever else you enjoy the finest of podcasts. As I said, there's a lot coming up here. And once we get through uh, that Bahamas trip, then we're, I mean, we're in August, like mid-August at that point, and you'll have um, recruiting visits and, uh, practices and workouts and things. And this, I mean, weird, I know we're in early July and I'm not looking too far ahead, but things are going to start happening. The season's 
not that far away at this point. And so if you subscribe, you'll always get the newest podcasts. As soon as our man, Patrick Flaherty over there is able to uh, edit out all my awkward pauses and publish them. While you're subscribing or downloading, please leave a review. Please click five stars. And as always, uh, please consider telling a friend. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to do that. So we're going to start off with the most recent news right now. And there's, there's not a whole lot to say about it other than it's just awful. And that is that on um, Monday night, uh, Ohio State product EJ Liddell went down awkwardly while playing in an NBA Summer League game for the New Orleans Pelicans playing against the Atlanta Hawks. EJ had uh, injured his knee during the first half, uh, came back and was playing and then just had a really awkward fall. I've watched the clip once because it's all I can stand to watch it. He kind of falls awkwardly in his leg, right leg kind of gets pinned underneath him and he's in obvious pain immediately. And the diagnosis was confirmed on Tuesday evening. It's a torn ACL for EJ Liddell which will sideline him at this moment. The, the only word is indefinitely. Um, it puts his entire rookie season in doubt and is just, you don't, uh, you, you just hate to see it. I mean, it's just awful. Um, you know, this is a guy when I was with EJ and his family on draft day and we're sitting there inside the St. Clair country club in Belleville, Illinois with about 200 other people in from EJ's life. And we're watching the draft and, the thought was that he was going to go in the second round. He could slide into the second round. He doesn't go in the first round. And then it's not until the 41st pick that he's taken. And when we spoke to EJ, he, he made a comment. And I had this in my story that I wrote on Tuesday night where he said something to the effect of how he's always had to work his way up from the bottom and that this would be no different. Now to have to do an ACL rehab to get back to the point where he already felt like he was going to be half to working his way from the bottom. That's just a really rough blow. And you feel for a guy. Um, I do think that EJ was going to have a productive rookie season in the NBA. I do believe that he was a steal at 41. And you just hate to see something like this happen in a summer league game for a guy who has not yet signed a contract. So now this puts New Orleans in a spot where it... Uh, how does this, and hopefully it doesn't, you really hope it doesn't, but how does this impact what sort of contract he might be getting for this first season? Obviously, they'll handle the the medical care and the rehab and things like that um, because this happened while he was playing for them. But does he end up with a two-way deal? Do they sign him to a full, like a, a fully guaranteed contract or a, a full first-team contract? I can't think of the exact phrase, but... Um, what contract do they sign him to and how does that financially support him this year as he now has to spend it rehabbing and working his way back? You, you just hope that they do the right thing and that he's taken care of and that he gets better as soon as possible and that it's not too long before we see EJ Liddell back on a basketball court because this was it's just awful to see and you really feel for a guy who's been through so much and who's worked so hard to get to this point in his second NBA summer league game goes down with a torn ACL. So best wishes to EJ. Um, hope he's back soon. Hope he's back stronger. And hopefully this is just one of those tiny bumps. And, you know, 10 years from now, we're talking about what a crazy start it was to this really productive NBA career you had. So best again, best wishes to EJ. So sticking more close to Columbus here at the moment, 
like I said, I've, I've gone to the last two Kingdom Summer League um, slates of games. There's four games each day. And uh, annual reminder, these games are free and open to the public. They're at Ohio Dominican University uh, here in Columbus. Games start at 2 p.m. on Sundays. There's four games. Uh, they generally budget about an hour and a half for each game. So it's like 2 o'clock, 3.30, 5, and 6.30. And one of the things I always enjoy is you never quite know who might show up and you never know what kind of matchups might end up dominating the, the conversation or who's going to suddenly go off for 50 points like Bryce Sensabaugh did two weeks ago. And one of the things that I enjoy the most is it allows me opportunities to talk to members of the current Ohio State team one-on-one and just kind of get their thoughts on where things are and how things are going. And sometimes this doesn't lend itself to a specific story. It's more just getting a vibe and just trying to get a read on where things stand and you know what this team might be thinking about itself or about you know what what's up ahead for it. And so one of the things that I, I've not asked a single question about this specifically, but this has been an answer that has come back to me um, in various ways from a couple of different players when I've just said like, what have your early impressions of Ohio State been? Or what has the, what have summer workouts been like? And I've kind of gotten a, a consistent response of guys taking things really seriously and the coaches really stressing that. And that might not, that might sound like nothing, but I do think that a, the fact that a number of people have mentioned this specifically makes me think there's something there. There's something a little bit more there. And that's not to say that they weren't taking things seriously before, because I do believe that they were. But it is interesting to me that every that, that that has been an unprompted response to similar type of question. So Bryce Sensabaugh, when we were talking to him uh, two weeks ago, this was just kind of unprompted. He was done with an answer. And then he said, I would like to mention Ohio State, the team, the coaching staff, everybody in our little circle is super serious this year, building off what we had last year and stuff like that. We're super serious in the weight room and the practice gym. So kind of along those lines, when we talked to Bruce Thornton that day as well, he said the toughest part is everyday consistency, making sure you go hard every single day. When you get your feet wet, you understand it's a business. So when you take it as a business, you have great success. And then when I spoke spoke to Tanner Holden here this past weekend, and I asked him about like adapting to the level, because obviously he's going from Wright State to Ohio State. Like there's going to be an adjustment there. And there's a reason why... I think Tanner's likely to come off the bench this year and be a go-to type player next year. But I think that acclamation for Tanner is going to be ongoing for him this season. And when I asked him about adapting to the level, he said, it's been going good. So I was able to go up in May and work out with Coach Q. So I was up there for a month before everybody and kind of got acclimated. It was good to get up there. And then once everyone started filling in in June, we all just filed in. It's definitely been different. The intensity of everything is definitely next level, but I'm adjusting to it. It's really pushing, pushing me to my max, and I think we're all getting closer and closer together. Now, that has also been a common talking point, just a, this feeling of, um, of connectivity. And that, that's, that's kind of common in the summer. But like when I talked to Kalen Etzler, he said it's a lot different from last year because we had a bunch of older guys. They all lived off campus. A bunch of people do their own stuff after practice is over. He said, now we've got like eight kids in the dorms. So we're always together, always doing something together. We all love each other. There's no problems. I don't think there ever will be. Hope everyone continues to stay and help build the program together. So I do think that there is, and it makes sense, there's certainly an emphasis on you've got to bring it every day and you've got to take things seriously. And when you have a roster that, as as Kalen said, I mean, you've got 
five freshmen. You've got two new walk-ons. You've got three transfers. It's a lot of new faces and a lot of new people to try to get all, all on the same page. And I think that the the emphasis on uh, building that, trying to build the, that chemistry that you obviously just can't have until time allows you to, um, I think that it makes sense that that would be very high on the summer priority list. And I think that encouraging everyone to just bring a very business-like, serious approach to the everyday grind, that's going to be a, a really important challenge for this team because I think for them to be ready to do what they're going to have to do when the season starts, like that, they can't be wasting time now. I mean, there, there have been teams where the talent level would maybe allow them to not be X, Y, or Z during the summer. I think this team has enough talent to be an upper-level Big Ten team, and I think this is a team that has the talent to, uh, as Ed Key said, there's already people counting them out. I think they're better than maybe what people expect, but that's not going to happen if they're not getting done what they need to get done here in these summer months. And it at least sounds like from the conversations that I've had with, with current players and also with some members of the coaching staff who've had some interview sessions, those priorities are, are being heard at, at this point in the summer. So like Chris Holman always says, you never know how players really going to handle adversity until they actually get into real adversity when the season starts. But I, I think this sounds like a promising first step as we start working our way through the summer here, as far as where this team is and where, where it hopes to get. So another thing that really stuck with me because Lord knows my mentions last season heard plenty about this. Um, the, the conversations about the Ohio state offense and what they do, what they don't do, why they don't run ball screens, why they don't do more ball screen actions. And I'm, I'm getting the strong impression this summer that under Jake Diebler, it's the offense is going to look different. And I think, historically the Ohio state offense has looked different from year to year. I mean, there've been certainly some consistent principles, but you think about an offense that like one year was very predicated on trying to get the ball inside to Caleb Wesson. Like that was pretty much the offense. And then you had a year where, you know, Kata and Jay Sean were uh, really carrying the load and, and kind of doing their things. I feel like you've had uh, times where they've gone really three heavy. Um, I th- there have been some different things in this Ohio state offense the last five years under Ryan Peden, but I'm starting to get a little bit more of a belief that there's going to be more ball screen type action with this team and the way it's constructed, and especially with Bruce Thornton and Isaac Likely handling the ball a lot. So interestingly enough, when I talked to Sean McNeil after he played this past Sunday, the West Virginia transfer, one of the things that I brought up to him was when he committed to Ohio State, he spoke to me about believing that there's much more to his game than he had shown or was able or allowed to show at West Virginia. And he was looking forward to getting to do that at Ohio state, which of course then leads to well, what, what parts of your game do you think we haven't seen yet? And so I asked him about that after watching him in, in the kingdom and just saying like, what, what more is there? Like, like how, how are you seeing some of those things start to play out as you go into these workouts, as you start working with the coaching staff, what, what's different what are you showing? And he said, We've had some team workouts, some skill workouts, and that in itself, I'm able to show what I can do. Show I can create more off the bounce, handle the ball, make plays for myself, and more importantly, make plays for others. He said his summer goals are, quote, get in the best shape of my life, working on my speed, my footwork, continuing to do what I do well, shoot the ball, being able to come off ball screens. Coach Holtman and, and the staff 
that's their kind of offensive style. So being able to create more, create more off the bounce, be more versatile in that way, get my teammates involved and do what I do. So Sean McNeil is talking about running more ball screens. I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to, I don't think handle much time at the one, but he certainly is trying to position himself as a player who can help handle the ball, help facilitate offense and also shoot at a high level. Uh, you know, average 12 points a game the last two years playing in the deepest, best conference uh, in, in college basketball there in the, in the big 12. But we're going to see, he's talking about seeing more from him creating and, and going off of ball screens. I didn't get to see a ton of how he plays specifically. I was a little late to the summer league this Sunday. I had a, an event at my church that um, prevented me from getting there on time, but I did get to talk to him afterward and then I watched Bruce Thornton, and this was my second time uh, getting to see Bruce this summer. And he looks very dangerous in ball screen situations. And granted, as has been discussed on here before, we're not this watching the Kingdom Summer League is not apples to apples to watching Big Ten basketball or honestly watching non-conference Ohio State basketball like the schedule is going to give us this season. It's you're seeing really talented players just kind of out there having fun, doing their thing. And some of them playing at, at a high level, but it's not, it, it, there's certainly like an open gym type of feel, a pro-am type of feel type to, to these events or to these games. But Bruce has consistently done a good job in these two games that I've seen of reading ball screens and making the right play, whether it's taking a shot or driving or kicking to somebody or finding the mismatch it doesn't ultimately get rewarded in a league like this because guys drop passes and you're not necessarily on the same page with everybody. Um, it's like I said, it's not apples to apples, but watching Bruce Thornton and JD Weatherspoon work on ball screen or run ball screen actions against Travis Trice. And then like another big uh, Bruce makes the right play a lot and looks comfortable doing those kinds of things. And it's interesting watching Bruce because in these settings, in these games, you're not, they can be a struggle. They're always a struggle for big men because they're not generally being looked at in the post. You're just, it's not conducive to a traditional big. So, you know, Zed Key often is mostly just running up and down the court in these games. I've seen the same thing with Jared Sullinger or, you know, just you pick another big that's out there. And a lot of times, you know, the ball is on the wing and it kind of sticks on the wing and someone takes a shot. So not a lot of incentive there for, for the big man other than like working on conditioning and things like that. But they can also be difficult on guys who are just sort of more traditional point guards. And this was something that, that Bruce and I talked about after his game on Sunday, which was that in both times that I've watched him, he has looked like a guy who early on might have a turnover or make a mistake, or you don't maybe necessarily notice him a ton. But as the game goes on, that changes because he starts to um, starts to, to know his teammates better. He starts to get a better handle for how the game is being played. And those are things that I think when the season starts and he's playing with the same group of guys, I expect him to pick that up you know, right from the get-go. But it's not a situation where he's immediately going to be able to do that in this kind of league. When I asked him about that, he said, as a point guard playing with new players, you've got to figure everybody out real quick throughout the game. When I've got a feel for everybody, that's where I can do what I can do to help the team win. Scoring, passing defense, 
all aspects of the game so I can help the team win. He said, every day in the gym, I work on my pace, my change of speed, so I can get downhill while using my strength. It could be a good attribute to have. I spoke with with Travis Trice, former Michigan State player, um, who steadily improved his numbers every year for all four years at Michigan State. Now playing professionally, he won a championship last year in Poland, playing along with his brother, Dimitrik. And uh, Travis said he's signed to play in Spain this season. But Travis, when I asked him about going against Bruce and playing against Bruce, like what stood out, he used one word right off the bat, which is interesting to me because there was someone else um, who's very involved in these games who was walking around, asked me what I thought of Bruce. And we talked about him for a second. And I said, well, what do you think? And he said, I love his pace. And then when I talked to Travis Trice, first thing he told me, I like his pace. Seems like he plays older than what he is. A lot of times you see college guys out here, you're seeing them move at one pace, going too fast. He said, I like that about him. So that is something that he's been working on. That's something that I've heard used to describe what kind of player Bruce Thornton is. And I think when I asked Travis about that, he said that, that that's something that's not, he said, super common, that it happens right off the bat in the Big Ten. I said, how ready were you for the pace of Big Ten play? when you got to college. And he said, I feel like he's way further than I was when I entered the Big Ten. He said, it's tough. You know how fit, tough and physical the Big Ten is, but I think he'll be fine. I said, how hard is it to develop that pace then once you're playing at that level, um, you know, as you're acclimating to everything as a freshman? He said, it's tough. And he said, and for him to get it early, just from playing and being around pros and really going back and watching film, seeing where he can slow down and change things up and wait for things to open up. It's film and just playing. Bruce said that he's really worked on that with uh, Jake Diebler. He called Jake my assistant coach. He said, and Chris Holtman, that's a big thing I've been working on his pace. He said, I've been getting way better since the first days I got here. Every day I put in my work, stack days, give the most every day so I can be the best player I can be. He said, when you go back in the gym, you can figure things out you need to work on. He said, today I played all 36 minutes, realized I need to get my legs under me so I can knock down threes at the end of the game. It's a big thing I'm working on is my conditioning, my core, a lot of things I can work on down the stretch, and this is a great experience to do that. So I've definitely came away impressed with, with some of those sort of intangible, yeah, I guess you would call pace an intangible asset. Uh, it's, it's hard to really quantify it. And I tried to explain it in a story, and I thought it made sense to try to, to talk about it on here. I mean, he still you know, is doing things from a production standpoint. He had 18 points in this game. He was 7 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. Played the entirety of the game. The games this past weekend were not ultra competitive. There are a lot of blowout games and that kind of results in just guys chucking shots. And that's kind of how, how some of these games finished out. So the numbers, numbers for some guys were a little bit off this week, but you can see it in Bruce. You can see it as the games go on. You can see him as he figures out in this matchup, how he can create an advantage. Um, his, his, his size has impressed me. His physicality has impressed me. His ability to get to the rim has impressed me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I continue to be intrigued about what he's going to bring when he gets, when the season starts, what that battle looks like between him and Isaac likely. He did tell me that he loves working with, with Isaac and for future reference, uh, Isaac goes by ice. It turns out. And when I asked, I asked him what it's like playing with, I said, what's it like playing with ice? And he said, he loves it. And he said, he, he really helps him with like all the knickknack, ticky-tack things and all the just little ins and outs and things that you've got to learn 
um, as a college basketball player. So getting the, to learn from a guy like that um, has certainly already, I think, started to have an impact on Bruce. I'm very interested to see what those what that role looks like, what that relationship looks like as we move closer and closer to the to the start of the season. In other Kingdom Summer League news, uh, Bryce Sensabaugh um, hurt his right ankle um, this past weekend. And again, this was it was in the same game that uh, Sean McNeil played. So I didn't see the injury. When I got there, um, Sensabaugh was, was seated. He had his foot up on a table and ice on his ankle and went over and talked to him for a minute. And he said, he you know, just not a big deal and he'll be fine. But he, he was clearly upset that it had happened. I think especially coming off of having scored 50 the week before. I think there were a lot of people there to see him. And I think he was really excited to, to go out and do what he could do. Um, I was told that he walked off under his own power. Um, he didn't leave on crutches or anything like that. And all indications at the time were that it was just a sprain, most likely in maybe a week, maybe two. And I've been told since that that's the case. So this is not any sort of significant setback for Bryce. And he'll miss a week, maybe two. And um, we'll see when, then what that means or what that looks like as Ohio State heads to the Bahamas. Really hope we get to watch Bryce Sensabaugh balling against the Egyptian national team in in the Bahamas because that's it's a matchup I want to see. I've also had some conversations with people about like what what is it going to look like for him this year? Like is he are we overhyping him already? Is it in line with what you've seen in practice? And it's been pretty consistent that like he's going to play and he's going to play a lot. If he cannot defend, he's not going to play as much but he's so skilled offensively that he's going to play no matter what. So we'll see how his body holds up over the course of the season, how he adapts to being in the Big Ten, like we have to see for every freshman, and how he, how he um, grasps the defensive end of the, of the ball or of the court. Because if he can really be at least average, slightly above average, then you start talking about a really significant role for this guy like right off the bat. So something to watch as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. So now looking ahead to what's sort of immediately on the horizon, it's a very busy recruiting period right now because coaches are out watching AAU games and it's obviously the July evaluation period. So there's a lot happening, but not a lot being said right now because there's not a lot of recruiting going on. Like these guys are playing some of the most important games that they play in their AAU calendar. And so there's a lot of just kind of focus on that as opposed to where you're taking visits and, and things like that. But it is worth noting that uh, Devin Royal, a uh, four-star forward here from, from Pickerington, who plays for All-Ohio Red, uh, All-Ohio Red did qualify for the Peach Jam, which is coming up here starting on the 17th, I believe. Um, it's a big deal. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast in the middle of July, you assuredly know what the Peach Jam is and why it is a big deal to people. But Ohio Red did qualify for that. And when I last spoke with Devin two weeks ago, uh, after his Ohio State official visit, he had said that his plan was to get through Peach Jam and then kind of go from there, maybe start figuring out he does want to commit before his senior season starts. So there's not really much in the way of news there. I've had several people just asking me, well, what's going to happen with him? Where is he leaning? What's he... And he's not really saying a whole lot to anybody right now, other than he's been kind of focused on Peach Jam. His Ohio State visit went very well. Um, I had someone tell me that uh, if, if you look back like this spring, this summer, 
there's been one coach that's been at every single game that Devin has played, and it's been Chris Holman. So I don't know that there's anybody that's recruited Devin harder than Ohio State has recruited Devin. That doesn't mean you're going to land somebody. Uh, Chris Holman and Ryan Peden once went uh, to go watch Zach Loveday perform in the halftime show as a member of the marching band, and he ultimately went to Baylor. So the effort that you put in like that doesn't always pay off, but I can tell you that there, there's a real sense that Ohio State has recruited him harder than anybody. And it's ultimately just going to come down to wh- what does Devin want to do? Does he want to stay close to home? There's certainly appeal in that. Does Devin want to go off somewhere else and make a name for himself? There's appeal for the, or to that as well. And that's, a, that's ultimately, I think to me, that's what it's going to come down to. And we'll see what ends up being the swaying factor for Devin. But I don't expect anything until at least after Peach Jam. I would be surprised if there's any sort of movement one way or the other. The, the one area where you, you could see some news, I'm continuing to hear more and more talk about Scotty Middleton. Scotty's a four-star power forward who's from uh, Florida. But he, he's playing at Wichita's uh, Sunrise Christian Academy, which uh, I believe Kendall Brown played there, who is a, a five-star player that Ohio State recruited and hosted on an official visit. And he ultimately did not. I think he went to Baylor and is in the league now. But um, uh, Scotty's listed at like 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7", 180. He's the number 36 recruit in the 24-7 sports composite database, which... Malachi Branham was the number 38 recruit in the database in his class. And despite his size, uh, he's, and he's listed as a small forward in the, in the recruiting rankings, but he's probably like a two, maybe a backup one. I uh, could play some three. I uh, obviously he's talented. I, I've, when I've asked people about him, they talk about not only can he score and do all those things, but he's got some really good defensive bite to his game. I haven't heard anybody use the word bite when they talk about someone's defense at Ohio State since Luther Muhammad. So I thought that was that was interesting. And it's it, from what I'm what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, it's coming down to uh, Ohio State, UConn, and Seton Hall for for Scotty Middleton. And that could be a decision that might be out in the next week, two weeks. Um, it, it does sound like things are are starting to wrap up a little bit for Scotty Middleton and. It's my understanding that those that Scotty and Devin would not in any way like contradict each other or cancel each other out. They're guys that very much could and would play together. Devin at the three, Scotty at the two. We'll see. Obviously, you gotta you'd have to land one and then the other. But I think it might be more likely that we would hear an announcement from Scotty Middleton before we would hear an announcement from Devin Royal. Where either of them are going, still don't know. But I do know that Ohio State is very much in the running. And it's just going to kind of have to, I guess, wait like the rest of us right now and then see where where this plays out. So last thing here uh, before we wrap up, if you have an open Thanksgiving next year, uh, you can come hang out with me. Come hang out with the, uh, the Ohio State basketball team. Ohio State is headed to Niceville, Florida for the 2023 Emerald Coast Classic, which is held on the campus of Northwest Florida State College which oddly enough or ironically enough is also where Alonzo Gaffney played in between Ohio state and Arizona state. So this is a initially reported by John Rossine at CBS sports. And then I was able to confirm it shortly thereafter. This will be Ohio state's second Florida trip in three years. 
after they played in uh, at Fort Myers this past year. And according to Rothstein, Oregon, sorry, I grew up in Northwood, Ohio, and there's an Oregon next that borders our, our city, which is different than Oregon. And sometimes I slip. So Oregon and Alabama will also be participating in the Emerald Coast Classic. The final team is still to be determined. Did have someone uh, point out that it might be a conference game if Oregon ends up going to the Big Ten, and God only knows what's going to happen on that front, but uh, will still likely be a non-conference game, let's put it that way, uh, in 2023, no matter what happens. So we got Bahamas, or we're supposed to, or excuse me, Bahamas in August, Maui for Thanksgiving this year, Duke, uh, Madison Square Garden for the CBS Sports Classic, and then next year, uh, the Emerald Coast Classic in Niceville, Florida. So a couple of couple of interesting, intriguing road trips up ahead for Ohio State. If you're going to any of these and you see me there, come say hi. And I still think we need to do some kind of meetup in Maui because we talked about it during the pandemic that if we ever got through the other side of this and we're all in Maui in a year, two years, or whatever it was going to be, that we all needed to get together, we'll, we'll, we'll plan something for anyone else that's going to Maui. I do want to take one more quick minute too and just send along a word of thanks. I've gotten a lot of kind messages for a non-stick to sports story opinion piece that I wrote for the dispatch last week about what is happening at my church. And I'm not going to get into that on here because I recognize that's not why people listen to this podcast. But I just wanted to take a moment and thank everyone who did take the time to tweet me, email me, uh, text me. Um, it, it All your kind words have been appreciated. It's been a It's been a very difficult devastating couple of, well, it's almost been two weeks now and every message of kindness has meant a lot. So thank you to everyone who's, who's taken the time to do that. On the music front, I've been, I just got the new album from, I guess it's not new anymore. It's been out for a little while, but, um, artist girl in red and, uh, really digging it. Um, they've played two of her songs a lot here locally on the radio and I liked both of them enough to, to go out and get the album. And that's been a really fun listen, uh, really catchy, really good stuff. I also picked up, I had this on my list for a long time. And when I go to record stores, I have a list of things that I've been looking for, just kind of like my wish list. And then I'll, I'll maybe use those starting points and then browse from there, depending on how much time I have. And so there was a, like a side project from I think 2011 with Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes, who I've talked about on here a lot. Uh, there's a, a, they had a, little band called middle brother and i've been wanting to buy that album for a long time i've never found it in a store and i got an amazon gift card the other day and was like you know what i'm just gonna buy this album on amazon and i did it's folky it's catchy it's not exactly anything new like i said it's at least a decade old but i'm been listening to that a lot i'm enjoying it also really into the new regina specter album and the new florence and machine album they've both been getting a lot of spins for me. Is spins even still the right word? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm playing the CDs or, or um, in some cases, the vinyl. So I guess those are spins, but I'm get, they're getting a lot of listens. Let's put it that way. So that's some of my current uh, playlist here as I get ready for another, uh, another road trip here with the family. Now, as always, you can send along your questions, your comments, your love notes, your hate mail, and otherwise constructive criticism to me at Adam Jardy on Twitter or ajardydispatch.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thanks to Patrick Flaherty for putting up with me and editing out all my awkward pauses. Um, like I said, I will likely not have a podcast next week because I'm planning on taking vacation next week. But 
there's always a chance something might pop up and maybe I'll record something quick. So make sure you're subscribed. And thanks to everyone who's taken the time to do that. And for anyone who's still listening now. Until the next time we speak, thanks. and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes store, the Google Play store, or on Stitcher.